0: It is something, the work of the cross is something a lot of people do not understand. Speaking of people who don't understand things, I wanted to share something uh, that I came across a while back that I thought you would enjoy. This was an advertisement in a uh, magazine, it was, the magazine is called The Missoulian, and it said this, it said, Golden, Ripe, Boneless Bananas. 39 cents a pound. I think there was a typo somewhere in there, don't you? Here's another one. Quote, this was by Alan Minter, who happened to be a boxer. Sure, there have been injuries and deaths in boxing, but none of them serious. (laughs) Here's one, Alicia Silverstone. I have no idea who she is, but she's an actress, and I have no idea what the movie is. But, quote, I think that the film Clueless was very deep. I think it was deep in the way that it was very light. I think lightness has to come from a very deep place if it's true lightness. People don't get it. This is from an anonymous manufacturer. Quote, how to store your baby walker. First, remove baby. Unquote. Love this one, those of you from Chicago. This is from anonymous. This is an anonymous Wrigley Field neighbor. Okay, from Chicago. Quote, this is no longer a slum neighborhood. I haven't heard of a Cubs fan being shot in a long time. (laughs) AP report describing Fresno State basketball coach Jerry Tarkanian, I guess is his name. Quote, during the scrimmage, Tarkanian paced the sideline with his hands in his pockets while biting his nails. (laughs) That's a tough one. Bill Madlock, baseball broadcaster, quote, two grand slams in a week. Man, that's seven or eight ribbies right there. (laughs) And Bill Peterson, football coach, quote, men, I want you to just be thinking about one word all season. One word and one word only. Super Bowl. (laughs) Some of you got that one. You know, there's a lot of things we don't understand or misstate or make mistakes with. And one of the things I think is the most misunderstood in all the world, and I'm going to tell you why today, is the work of the cross. The work of the cross. Many people see the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and we're not going to be describing it today. We're going to be talking about what it accomplished, though. Many people see the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as an event in history of some kind, but they do not understand what it really was all about. The death of Jesus Christ was not an accident, okay? That's first I want you to understand. The death of Jesus Christ was not an accident. It was not the result of a lynch mob getting out of control. It wasn't a good thing that went bad all of a sudden because things got crazy. You might say, well, how do you know that? Well, because of what the Bible says about this. And it's very important, folks, that we all understand this. Because can I tell you today, it literally, it literally decides whether you're going to spend forever with God or forever separated from God in torment. Let's begin with this, okay? Jesus Christ was a real person in history. Now, you know, for most of you here, you might say, well, duh, but can I tell you this? People are being taught otherwise. People are being taught that he was just made up. Now, secular... Historians said that he was a real person in history So I I need to say that because we are living in a world that is To be honest with you very much biblically ignorant They don't know the bible. They don't know what it teaches. Okay, it's like the reporter who asked the individual he said uh, Do you know what the epistles are referring to what's in the bible? They said well, yes, those are the wives of the apostles the epistles. No, that's not that way. All right. He was a real person in history. Now, this is a fact. He's not made up, and his death was necessary, and his death was on purpose. Now, contrary to what a lot of people understand, Jesus willingly laid down his life. You know, there are movies that are made and all this and they take them and they drag him away and they make it seem like he's resistant or that he's, he's trying to fight his way and get out of it and all that. No, absolutely not. Turn with me to John chapter 10 in your Bible if you have one. And if you don't have one today, you can follow along on the screen behind me. John chapter 10. In verse 15, John 10, verse 15, Jesus is speaking and he says this, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. Now look at this. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jump down to verse 17. Therefore doth the Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Very clearly, and as a matter of fact, Jesus said the same thing to to Pilate when he was standing before Pilate. He says, listen, I lay this down on myself. Nobody could do anything to me except I allow it to happen. And so the death of Jesus Christ was something that was on purpose, And not only was it on purpose, you might say, well, yeah, the Romans, they had a purpose in it. No, 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 no. They couldn't have done anything if God didn't allow it. It was on purpose because it was God's purpose, okay? It was God's purpose. Over, if you're in John still, go with me to chapter 15. And look what Jesus said in John 15, verse 13. He says this, he says, Greater love, greater love hath no man than this, then a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, this being Valentine's Day, what greater display of love is there than what Jesus Christ has done for you and me? The Bible says he became sin for you and me. You might say, what do you mean? I don't get that. Please follow along with me today, friend, because what we are covering is so absolutely important for each of us to understand. Now, what about the work of the cross in other words what was accomplished on the cross okay if you notice all over the world the cross signifies the death of christ now i know today people wear crosses just for jewelry because they like the way a cross looks the cross signifies death down through history okay by the way it's because of what jesus christ did on the cross that the cross became popular do we understand that In the days of Jesus Christ, the Romans were crucifying people left and right on the cross. And it wasn't a big deal except, you know, you didn't want to be on there. You didn't want to be on a cross dying. But it wasn't something that was up all over the place. It wasn't something on the top of church steeples. It wasn't on flags, okay? It wasn't above screens like you see up there. It was just not an issue, But it's Jesus Christ who made the cross, what it is, and what it symbolizes. All over the world, the cross signifies the death of Christ. It is the death of Christ and the resurrection that make up this thing we call the gospel, the good news, which is the power of God unto salvation, all right? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You see, God, he uses in the Bible the word, when the Bible talks about the cross, it is talking about the death of Christ. That's what it's talking about. What Jesus accomplished on the cross. That's what the cross is about. It's not about the piece of wood. Okay. It's not about whether yours is, is sanded or not, or big or small. or it, it isn't any of that. What makes it an issue in the Bible, when the Bible talks about the cross, it's the death of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished there. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.17. For Christ sent me not to baptize... But to preach the gospel, by the way, if you had to be water baptized to be saved, Paul wasn't a very good evangelist then, was he? Because that was not his emphasis. See, baptism does not save anybody, water baptism. Water baptism is for those who have put their faith in Christ as their savior. And once you're saved, you should be water baptized to show the world that now you're a Christian, that you're not ashamed of Christ, to show the world that you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no saving power in water baptism that's why Paul says what he does for Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect in other words he didn't want to dress it up in fancy words because he wanted people to understand it because if you don't understand the gospel you'll never get to heaven you'll never get to heaven verse 18 for the preaching of the cross okay is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, so-called foolishness of preaching, to save them that do what? Believe. Believe what? Believe in what Jesus accomplished on the cross as their payment for sin. Now, I want to look at several qualities about the cross of Christ or several qualities about the death of Jesus Christ today. There's, well, I think I have five of them. The first one is this, okay? Number one, it was a sacrificial death. Now, we need to understand that. Again, it wasn't an accident. Again, it wasn't because he couldn't resist all the people who grabbed him, the Roman soldiers, etc., etc. Do you remember, by the way, when they came to take him in the garden? They asked him a question, he answered, and what happened? They all fell backwards onto their backs. That was the power of God unleashed, okay? Just a little bit of it. They fell backwards, and then he allowed them to get up, and then he allowed them to take him. But folks, listen, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. But he went there for many reasons, and one of them was to be a sacrifice. For who? For me and for you. His death was a sacrificial death. What does that mean? The word sacrifice means the object or act of an offering. Now, biblically speaking, it is to offer something up to God as a payment or covering for sin. All the Old Testament sacrifices that you see, if you read through the Old Testament, they were sacrificing every day. There were sacrifices going on, okay? Every one of them had to do with a sacrifice for sin or a covering for sin and every one of them look forward to the day to when the lamb of God Jesus Christ would go to the cross and make the final payment For sin you listening to this folks. This is incredibly Important see there's two parts of this. I want to mention about this sacrifice number one is this God requires a sacrificial payment for sin a sacrificial payment now What do I mean by that a payment that has to do with the shedding Of blood. And that's the second one. It must involve the shedding of blood. We see this all through the Old Testament. Now go with me over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And see, God is the one who decides who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. God is the one who decides who gets in to heaven. Contrary to a lot of religious jokes and talk and folklore today, Peter is not standing at the gates, he's not there, okay? The one who controls the gates is Jesus Christ himself. He is the one. In Hebrews 9, verse 22, it says this, and almost all things are uh, by the law are purged, you notice this, with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, all right? Things are purged or cleansed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The word remission means forgiveness of sin. Notice that without the purging or Of blood or with blood, okay? The cleansing of blood, there's no forgiveness. Can I say this morning? Listen carefully, friend. Listen carefully. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed, poured out for you and for me. Why? Because it had to be if we were going to have a payment for sin. Now, listen if we don't have a payment for sin, nobody is going to heaven when we die. No one, you might say, well, wait a minute. Now, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person, but you don't go to heaven by your good works. The Bible is very clear. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're in Hebrews 9. Go with me to chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to follow closely. Now, most of us are not Jewish. All right. Most of us are not Jewish. So we don't necessarily understand the idea of a priest offering sacrifices. Now, there are a bunch of us here in this room who are former Catholics, right? You were Catholic at one point. We had a priest or priests, and the Mass is, in fact, according to the Catechism, unbloody sacrifice of Christ again on the cross, all right? So that is the idea behind the Catholic Mass. Okay, that's why it's daily. And by the way, the sacrifices in Judaism were daily. And that's why Catholic churches around the world have daily mass. Did you know that? I'm not being negative. I'm just informing you on that, right? Now look at Hebrews 10 verse 1. Now this is talking about the Jewish background, okay? Because the, the Catholic church was not in existence when this was written. Hebrews 10 verse 1, it says, For the law, the Old Testament law, the commandments having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, those sacrifices that the Jewish priest did every day all year long, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect okay now what are the things to come you notice it says the law having a shadow of good things to come what are the things to come the sacrifice of Christ and all the benefits that the payment of Christ would make it possible for us to have you see through the payment Jesus made on the cross it is possible then for us to have eternal life He had to be sacrificed, though, on the cross. He had to be a blood sacrifice on the cross. You notice he's called the Lamb of God. The Jews understood the Lamb of God had to do a sacrifice. It was lambs that were sacrificed. There are dozens of benefits that take place the moment we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Yet none of them would have been possible had not Jesus died on the cross to make that payment for our sins. Look at verse 2. You notice it says, not through those sacrifices can we be made perfect. It says in verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. In other words, the Jews kept sacrificing animals, okay, lambs and different animals that, that God Told them to do because of that. And what were those sacrifices for? Those sacrifices were for sin. Now the writer says this. If those sacrifices would have sufficed and taken care of our sin once and for all, then there wouldn't be any need for any more sacrifice. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. The very fact that sacrifices have to be done over and over and over reminds us that we have sinned over and over and over because that's what the sacrifices were for. Verse three. But in those sacrifices there's a remembrance again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should, look at this, take away, take away sin. Look up here. This hand representing you and me. Let this wallet represent our sin. Okay? Here we are. We are sinners all of us here. you say, "Oh, I'm not a sinner." Sure you are. Have you ever lied? Well, yeah. Well, that's a sin. That's bearing false witness. Have you ever stolen anything? I was sharing the gospel with a uh, a, a young man uh, last year at, at the county fair, here Benton County Fair, and I said, "Have you ever have you ever sinned?" No, I've never sinned. He's about 12 years old. I've never sinned. Oh, really? Of course I knew better. He didn't get it yet, but in his self-righteousness at 12, Imagine what it'll be like as an adult. Anyways, I've never sinned. Oh, you haven't. Well, have you ever told a lie? Nope, I've never told a lie. Have you ever stolen anything? Nope, I've never stolen anything. Of course, I'm thinking, this kid is a major league liar. But anyways, I wasn't gonna tell him that. And I said, let me ask you this. Have you ever cheated on a test? Well, yeah. Was that answer yours that you took? no. So you stole the answer, didn't you? Well, I guess so. Not only that, but you know what you did? You lied at the same time. How's that? Because you were saying by putting down that answer that you didn't know that you did know it. And that's a lie. That's two sins. Oh, well, I was able to continue on from that point. Listen, friend, we're all sinners, including me. Okay? Here's what the Bible says. God loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from God. You cannot go to heaven with even one sin. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless in the eyes of God. Well, who is? The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right. See, what we need is we need our sins taken away. But nowhere in the Bible does it say good works will pay for sin. God says if we die with our sin, we are going to spend forever separated from God in a literal hell. Are you aware of that? That's what the Bible teaches. Seeing no sin can get into heaven and seeing we're sinners, we have a problem. What are we going to do with this? If we die and we still have it, it's still on us. We'll be lost forever. See, that's why, by the way, good works will not Take care of it. Why? Because, let me give you an example. If the pages of my Bible represented a whole lifetime of good deeds, okay? It's good to be good, don't get me wrong. But if this represented a whole lifetime of good deeds, see, my problem isn't whether I do good or not. My problem is what am I going to do to get my sin removed? Look, whole lifetime of good deeds so you put that on top you might say oh my well that person was a good person well look at that person lived a good life yeah but you know what god does god looks at this and he says wait a minute you can't come into my heaven because you have your sin your sin has not been taken away so what are we going to do well jesus was the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world look up here this hand representing him you notice he was sinless He came, and you know why he came, friend? He came to be a sacrifice for you and me. He was put on the cross, suspended between earth and heaven. And Galatians says, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And that's exactly what he did. He hung on the cross for you and me. And he shed his blood to make the payment so that we could have forgiveness. And friend... The Bible says when we trust in Jesus Christ that he made that payment for us, the moment we trust in him, our sins are taken away. They are forgiven and God gives us everlasting life. Look at this. We go to heaven on what Christ has done. See, if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior, the penalty for your sins still remains on you. The only way you can get out from that is by trusting in Christ as your savior, as the one who died for your sins. All right? Verse ten, Hebrews ten, ten, it says, By the which will, by God's will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Notice this, once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. Man offering sacrifices can never take away sin. Hey, wait a minute, I just thought of something. Aren't we right now in Lent? Right? We're in Lent? At the end of Lent, give it back because I lent it to you. No, I'm just kidding. We are in Lent right now. And you know what people do? They give up stuff. Now, when I was growing up, we gave up stuff. Every year, we gave up Pepsi-Cola. That's what we gave up, Pepsi-Cola. And we thought, oh, look at us. Aren't we something? We gave up Pepsi. Not really much to give up, but that's what we gave up. But can I tell you this? That could never take away sin. Yet people have in their mind, a lot of people have, not everybody, but a lot of people have in their mind, you know what, I'm going to do this, and, and, and certainly this is going to count for good as far as me going to heaven. Actually, it's not. It's not. You may be sincere, I'm not questioning that, but friend, we need to have our sin taken away. Look what it says. Can never take away sin. Verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, what Jesus did on the cross, he, made, he was an offering for sin. He was a sacrifice for sin. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Look at that. Forever. You know what that means? That means that if you trust in Jesus Christ, that he made that payment for you, if you trust in him to get you to heaven, you are made pure and holy. That's what sanctified means. Set apart to God forever. It never has to be done again. His work is good on your behalf forever. That's why John the Baptist, when he looked at Jesus in John 1 29, he said, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Can I ask you a question today? Have you had your sins taken away? Have you? If you haven't, I hope you don't die. Because if you die not having your sins taken away, you'll be separated from God forever in hell. That's an awful thought. I hate even using the word, but it's in the Bible. And it has to be said. God is warning. But you know, the beauty of it is Jesus Christ has done all the work necessary. And all he's asking you to do is trust in him. And he will give you as a gift everlasting life let's go back to the death of christ several qualities about the death first we've seen we've seen that it was a sacrificial death secondly it was a substitutionary death in other words jesus died in our place he died for us he had no sin of his own so that he God in the flesh could be our substitute and die in our place Isaiah 53, six says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Look at this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've sinned. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If Jesus has paid for your sins, you don't have to. That's good news. That's the cross work of Christ. He died and came back from the dead to prove It was done. The New Testament puts it this way. For he, God, hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you see it, dear friend? We have sin. The only way we can get rid of that sin is by trusting in Jesus Christ. And when you trust in him as your payment for sin, your sin is taken away. It is forgiven. He gives you everlasting life. You go to heaven based on what he did. Good works won't save you. Because all good works do is cover up the wrong. The wrong has to be gone. And when you trust Christ, all your sin is taken away. Number three, it was a completely satisfactory death. What do I mean by that? See, God had to be satisfied because God is the one who demands the sacrifice. God is the one who demands a payment for sin. He's the judge of the universe. People have the idea today, well, you know what? I do things wrong all the time, but you know what? God is a God of love and he's going to let everybody in. He can't. He's not only a God of love. He's a God of righteousness and holiness and justice, justice. If I was caught speeding out here on County Road 8 and pulled over by a sheriff and right around here, that's what they are because it's Sherbourne County. And he pulled me over and he wrote me out a ticket. He says, you were speeding, you know, you were going 46 miles an hour in a 45 zone. Usually won't happen. Here's your ticket. I could say to him, yeah, I am really sorry. I'm really sorry. I promise I'll never do it again. I won't speed ever again in my entire life. Of course, that's a lie. We all do. He would say, you know what? I hope you don't. But you've still broken the law and you still have to pay for the violation. Friend, we've broken God's laws. And he says it has to be paid for. The good news is Jesus has made the payment in our place. It was a substitutionary death. Not only that, but as I mentioned, number three, it was a satisfactory death. Turn with me to John, back to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And here we see Jesus hanging on The cross. The cross. He's doing his work on the cross. See, God required a payment for our sin, and Jesus satisfied the payment. That's why God can justify us. That's why God can say, okay, you trust in what my son has done, I'll give you everlasting life. I'll forgive you of all your sins. I'll give you a home in heaven. I'll reserve a place for you here. It's because of what Christ did for us in satisfying the Father. Look at it in John nineteen twenty-eight. Jesus on the cross, it says, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. This word, Where it says, it is finished, okay? It's the same word as in verse 28 where it says, accomplished. What does it mean? It literally means it has been finished and stands complete. Once and for all, paid for, completely taken care of, all right? Can I tell you this, friend? We can go to heaven because our sin has been completely taken care of by Jesus Christ. However, you must put your faith in him for that payment to be put to your account, See, don't make this mistake. Okay, well, Jesus paid for all sin. Therefore, everybody's going to heaven. No, you must trust in him that he did that for you. And when you do, he gives you everlasting life, right? Hebrews nine twelve says, Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, once you have salvation, you have it Forever it was completely satisfactory and if it is completely satisfactory Then there is nothing else left for us to do except to believe to believe You know, I get a kick out of people not really a kick But I find it somewhat humorous and at the same time sad that people will say oh, I agree with that I agree with that. Jesus has paid for all my sins. I agree with that, but I don't believe Believing in him trusting in him that he's paid for all my sin now think of what they're saying I believe Jesus has paid for all my sin, but I still think I have to do this and this and this and this to go to heaven. Now, wait a minute. If Jesus has paid for all of your sin, then all of the work is done. There's nothing left. See, if you say you also have to do other things to get to heaven, you're saying that what Jesus did is he didn't pay for all of the sin. He only paid for part and there's your part left to be paid for by your good works. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you either trust in Jesus Christ or you trust in yourself One or the other. What are you trusting in as your payment for sin? Let's move on number four the work of Christ the death of Christ was for Everyone jesus did not just die for a select few Who would down the road believe the bible says he died for all now if jesus died for the sins of everybody He wouldn't die for the sins of everybody if everybody couldn't be saved. But everybody can be saved. How do I know that? The Bible tells me so. Isn't that simple? 1 John 2, 2, it says, And he is the propitiation, the satisfactory payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of who? The whole world. Why did Jesus pay for the sins of the whole world? Because the whole world can be saved. Jesus said in John nineteen ten. you want more proof about that, by the way? I know there are people that say, oh no, God only selects certain ones to heaven. Baloney. Okay, <laughs> no good. No, anybody can be saved. How do I know that? Well, what we just saw, 1 John 2, 2, there's many verses on this. Look at Luke 19, 10. Have you ever seen Luke 19, 10 in that context? Look at it with me. Look at the words. This is Jesus speaking. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. How many of us are lost? Raise your hand if you're lost. Okay, if that includes you. Okay, if all of us were lost at one point, then he came to save all of us. There it is. If all of us are lost, then he came to save all of us because he said so. And he came to seek and to save all of us because all of us are lost. That's what he said. Now that's good news, isn't it? Because you don't have to wonder, "Eh, am I one of the elect or not? Trust Christ as your savior. Then you're one of the elect. Okay? I like what one man said. The elector, the whosoever wills. The non-elector, the whosoever won'ts. There you go. It's easy. What does it all mean? Well, number five, this is our last one today. It is the only way for man to be saved. The work of the cross is the only way for man to be saved. Okay? Do you remember when we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, back in verse 18, it said this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. If you're here today and you say, you know what? Yeah, that's all fine and good, but this is not for me. I don't need this. I don't need this. You know what? Number one, I don't believe in heaven anyway, and I certainly don't believe in hell. There are people who are that way. And I, you know what I say to you, friend? Oh, wait, wait a second. Let me get a hold of God and tell him that you don't believe in it, and he better change everything around. Because you don't believe in it. You know what? That is foolishness. God does not wring his hands when we say, I don't believe what you said, God. What it does is it grieves him. Because he so loves us that he wants all of us to live with him forever in heaven. But the only way is by trusting in his son as our savior. Two more scriptures and we're through. Look with me to Acts chapter 13. The book of Acts chapter 13. The Apostle Paul here is preaching. The last couple days, I've, had a, uh, I've been uh, contacted by a um, hardline Calvinist. And he got my name through somebody else on the internet who supports us and gives out our literature and so forth. And uh, this man, is, he's, he's been kind, but nevertheless, they're kind of going back and forth, back and forth. He cannot accept the idea, okay? He cannot accept the idea that a person can trust Jesus Christ as Savior and then still sin afterwards. Doesn't he still sin? Well, yeah, he does. We all still sin. Friend, the good news of the gospel is this. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just pay for what I've done. He also paid for what I'm going to do. Because when Jesus died, all of my sins were in the future, okay? When Jesus died... All of my sins are in the future. How do I know that? Because I hadn't been born yet. And if he died for one, he died for all. And no, once I trust Christ, God does not want me to live a sinful life. But I still will sin once I've trusted Christ as Savior. The good news is this. All those sins are under the blood of Christ once you trust Christ. That's what the Bible says. Look at it. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, the dismissal, the release of sins. Verse 39, and by him, all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses, which are the commandments. All that believe are justified from all things. When I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, August 2nd, 1972, you know what? The gavel of heaven came down and said, I declare you as righteous. Oh, how long? You're my son now. It's forever. That's too amazing. Yes, son, it's called grace. And that's why the hymn was written, Amazing Grace. Because it is amazing that God would do that for us, that God would provide for us through the death of the son everlasting life if we would simply trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. That is amazing. And can I say today, He's offering it to you and He's offering it to me. We need it because we're all sinners. To get to heaven, your sin has to be gone. The only way you're going to get it gone is by trusting in Christ. Would you do that today if you've never done that? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.